This week's Keizu Poetry Slamcast is the second half of the show that was recorded on December 18th of 2001, hosted by Don Saylor. Feature is Greg Bliss. I'm pretty sure it was Sean Shea who brought Greg to his first Keizu Poetry Slam. To say he took to it like a duck to water, or that he was a natural or a fucking savant, would be an understatement. Greg was immediately on a whole different level than the rest of us. Now, the audience didn't always understand or appreciate him, but the other poets in the room were always awed and envious of this guy. And that's the fucking truth. This is Slam Later, like, the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach in the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one naked moment. I am the smith. I am the poet. I am the industrial He's my one of my favorite poets uh, who comes. Greg, hold on. Psst. Robin, don't make me kick your butt. I got a long list tonight. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, he's actually been coming down supporting Kalamazoo uh, for about two and a half, three years now, and. Uh, he runs the slam up in Grand Rapids. Uh, he is down here tonight to um, to to peer into your soul. Oh, that was a bad joke, wasn't it? So everybody, clap really, really, really loud for my good friend Greg Bless. Welcome to my dark soul. Empty, is it not? Ah, oh, but it is. Welcome to my brooding sub-reality. Are you afraid? Ah, oh, but you are. I was once above it. Now I'm down in it. And this is my hand reaching out to you from my dark soul to your dying mind, like the hand of Jim Morrison, breaking you on into the other side, the underbelly of the world's soul where we all hang, like encrusted barnacles, gripping the petrified exoskeletons of our dark, dank souls. Are you afraid? Ah, oh, but you will. Welcome to the lost souls, bricked up in forgotten catacombs, dripping with nitrate, echoing, 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 echoing with the death gas wail of lonely dark souls crying out to one another in monotonous tomes of mutual desperation. Welcome to my frightening gothness. This is Satan welcoming my dark soul, promising to aid me in mastering the darkness, in dominating my mind to your minds, your minds to my minds, our minds melding in mutual damnation, wanting to take me like an animal. Closer, closer! Oh, Bella Lugosi is dead! Bella Lugosi is dead! Nines and cattle are chains, oh boy! Nines and cattle are chains! Lonely, isn't it? Oh, but we are legion. Join us if you dare. And this is God, peeling the skin off your smiley face denial, corporate creative death syndrome myth machine, condemning you to a happy loneliness, devoid of sorrow, devoid of positional truth, devoid of compassion that acknowledges we are forever and inexorably lost slash forgotten. And this is God, eating your childhood, 
And this is God eating your dreams. And this is God licking your soul and swallowing it whole because it is tasty and juicy at the back of his nitrate dripping throat. And this is my father asking me to commit an unpardonable sin the day after I got back from seventh grade summer band camp. Daniel, you Uh, but that is no longer myself in a crumpled heap. And I am now genderless. And free of all hypocrisy. Gaunt am I not. My metabolism has consumed all that is a lie. Oh, but you will not regret the swallowing contentment of spitting out your dreams like bitter seeds. The welcoming nectar of here and now flowing into your hollow waiting soul. Oh, but you will have a fever for the flavor. You will crunch a bunch of munch. You won't be able to eat just one. And you'll find that darkness and your soul are two great tastes that go great together. And you will love the empty wrapper solitude that is your dank, dark shadow. So. <laughs> One ringy dingy 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 dingy. A two ringy dingy dingy dingies. A three ringy dingy dingy dingies. Thank you. I'm gonna turn my flashlight off now. I'm gonna try. That was to scare you and to blind me. So I couldn't see you and it won't go off. Okay, thank you for coming out tonight. That last poem was because my father was a Baptist minister. Oh, <laughs> yes, and growing up, I got to listen to all the demon possession tapes that my parents would listen to down in the kitchen while they were, you know, doing what they did. And I just knew that Satan was gonna come for me to get back at daddy, you know, for wrecking his scene, man. So anyway, um, okay, the next poem that I'm gonna do is, uh, I don't know, man, you know, where do you get your poems? Where, where does writing come from? I don't know. But <clears throat> I love writing about my friends. I love writing about the people that really touch me. And this is about a couple people that really touch me. And uh, it's called Rabbit Trail. So I'm sitting in my underwear, smoking my last marble red, counting the scratch marks on my inner thigh, left by my stray cat spirit guide, who always seems to find the spot when the seasons get to spinning in the back of my eyes, from watching too much late-night television, wishing I had a better apartment situation, and not so many addictions. Which aren't really addictions, they're just rabbit trails that lead me away from the main point, when all I really wanted to say was, you were beautiful that night we kissed. And you show me this new position for G. And we sang some old Bob Dylan song. I don't remember which, because we got piss drunk. <laughs> and that was beautiful, too. And, uh, and I remember I, I told you, you reminded me of this girl that I met on this bus trip coming back from Boulder, Colorado, when Jerry was still alive. And she used to show me what he looked like up close and personal, when he was all stoned and magical. She made these beautiful white dresses that reminded me of you. Only after... I had met you because I didn't know you when I'd spent 18 months with her and she was going to have our baby and lost it. You never told me. I used to, used to lie awake at night thinking about how, how she'd sing in her sleep about growing up in Arizona. About those beautiful dresses, all those dresses. 
And I used to think how creative she was. But then, after all, she did leave me banging on this position for G, which wasn't all that difficult, and I probably could have figured it out myself, but I didn't. And my underwear is creeping up my ass, because I keep getting lower on the slip-covered couch we keep on the veranda, sucking Budweiser like they were champagne. Sucking warm butt off of olives I forked out of a jar we keep in the back of the mini-freezer she'd got on the front porch. And I, and I say to myself, and wouldn't it be great if we could be our parents? You know? If I could live up to my father's failed expectations, stand on the front porch with a beer in one hand, another hand down the back of my Bermuda shorts, chomping on a stale stogie, kicking one of the kids' toys into the front yard, bellowing, what the hell's going on out here? And I could scream at my wife about all the gay men she hangs out with. And she could threaten divorce at least three times a week. And our kids could grow up to develop social disorders and learn to love old record albums and the way things really were. Of course, we wouldn't get divorced. We'd just get bitter. I learned to talk to one another through other people in the room, but they wouldn't mind, you know, because when we'd be leaving, they'd be cleaning up the, the lime jello and the cheese whiz and the crackers, and they'd say, remember when those two first got together? And he just left that attorney in Vancouver, you know, the one that sold acid at dead concerts? She was so skinny and psychotic. God, nobody would touch her. But she got him to, to tie the knot by putting her mother's fear of isolation and abandonment in him. <laughs> and they drank a lot that summer. And we all made bets as to how long they'd stay together. And then they actually stayed together and had kids, which rebelled against them by turning out normal. <laughs> they still fight like cats and dogs. And the neighbors are scared the hell of them. But how nobody ever managed to convince them that being unhappy was grounds for divorce. Now every once in a while, at three in the morning, you can still hear him bellowing from the front porch. What the hell's going on out here? Hey, wouldn't it be great to be just like them? Beep beep and goodbye love. Beep beep and goodbye love. Beep 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 and goodbye love. Beep beep and goodbye love. In the beginning, I thought you were some sort of sensual nexus. I'm gonna try that over again. In the beginning, I thought you were some sort of sensual nexus. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip that one. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm going to do a new one, actually. It's called 13 Deadbolts. Um, I don't know. A lot of people have different ideas about what this is about. Um, I guess if you feel like quitting, don't. And I guess that's what it's about. So it's pretty simple. Never, never, never. Dear sir or madam, I don't have a website yet. You see, my tricycle doesn't plow that far. If you want to download a, a photo gallery, I had a portfolio under my mattress and a copier in the toilet. Flush hard for multiple prints, you might find something a bit more curious than your late night office ass shots. And I don't have a cell phone either. I just pick up on other people's vibes before they get a chance to open their mouths and blast their butane genius. 
But if I had a website, I would offer peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to the first 10,000 callers who would bring me my fifth grade fall parka, checkered in an array of earth tones so that if I stood very quietly, you wouldn't notice me at all. Everyone would have the same password generated randomly while playing, here is the steeple. Fists locked bone wide waiting for spiders to swallow the people. But if I had a cell phone, I would keep it in your locket. You'd take it out when I needed to learn something I didn't pick up from your body language. A voicemail slugged to my lower left jaw. Something you didn't have the balls to tell me to my face. Green stick fracture, the best, baby. The best. And while speeding down the super information highway, you might happen upon my address. I'll answer on the third ring, certain to unlock my 13 deadbolts, invite you in for dinner. My casserole of recurring nightmares broiling between oven mitts, my smile wide and anonymous. I'd hike up my junior high gym shorts and warn you against submitting to suspicions while whistling, Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't care. Jimmy Crack Corn and I don't dare confide in you. My webmistress binding me in binary code the way the Bible gags the truth, smirking at my disposition, lashed to these childhood memories, preventing me from leaving my ghost behind at Mulligan's with a pitcher of Labatt's and shots of Jägermeister all around. Here's to the sweet, sweet lies I shouldered to protect you. Here's to the bridges we burned as we drank our way through college. Here's to the last time you felt alive. Here's to the way you cackled badass at the jukebox. Here's to the race to the back of your ports to puke it all out. Here's to the trailer trash we hang out with to remember. Here's to conversations we managed to avoid. Here's to the sunshine soldiers who abandoned us when the going got tough. Here's to the last man standing. Here's to the silver slick slide of the tambourine as the shaft pounds into an open keyhole. Who the hell are you anyway? I never intended to let you in, to let you in here, here, and here. Maybe then my tricycle would find the right gear. Read you in some chat room where we might exchange profiles and dream of the way we were when we were children in the park on Sunday morning. Amazed at how old people stare far into the distance, the way statutes contemplate rain, the way I whisper your name at night just once before I lock the door. Okay, um, this is a piece that I'm going to do that um, I used to live in Jackson, and uh, my one way of dealing with life was going to Ann Arbor to get out of Jackson. It was really cool. There was this dude that used to stand along the side of the road, and um, the guy was in Vietnam, and he was sort of fucked up, and uh, he would stand there, and he had all these, like, bells and stuff, and he would preach to people that were driving by. And uh, he really touched me every time I went by that. That guy was just trying to make some sense out of things. And uh, so I wrote a poem about that. Scat man, bold. Big ass church on a Sunday morning with the clarin bells jangling out a holy melody Standing on the corner like a one-man army just a-waving and a-hopping like the rest of his demolish Just jumped inside his pants and did the Watusi Backwards Around his fruit of the looms 2.45 p.m. And the holy man's going like a house on fire with his lips Pumping out the backbeat of a lost melody Jazzing around in the back of his pasteurized mind But about a scat man Cold 
Got so many layers on him, you find the Paleozoic, you find the Jurassic, you find the Catatonic. He's a slamming Grand Canyon. And every voice he's ever heard, and every song he's ever sung, and every name he's ever claimed keeps bouncing around, but it bouncing around, but it bouncing around in the back of his brain till it hits that canyon floor and then it flows like a mighty river. Scatman. Sold. Like the proud prince which your father's father's great-great-grandfather who rise every morning for the first time, scat man, for the last time, scat man, to see what you can see, to about to be what you can be, thunder out your righteous harmony on the corner of Adalian Avenue B. Give him hell, scat man bowling. Don't let him just walk on by, but I bang that bell, scat man bowling. Don't let him just watch you die, but about it, a scat man. Toad. I told him once that back in Africa that he said he was touched by the gods back in Africa Put a robe on his back back in Africa Put a crown on his head back in Africa Put a ring on his finger back in Africa And all the children would gather around to see what only the scad man could see To be what only the scad man could be To thunder out your righteous harmony on the corner of Adelian Avenue B Thunder out your righteous harmony on the corner of Adelian Avenue B I say now so is a ham hock in your cornflakes. I say now so is a joint roll out of toilet paper. I say now so is a round righteous developed thing. A broken flailing fluing wing. A round righteous developing thing. Broken flailing wounded wing. Scat man. Cold. Hey man, we'll have none of that sauce. Look, brother, you got your own clause in the contract on America. And the contract on Americans now. Scat man's churning, tearing up a storm. That I'm skit, scat, tip, tap, did I pit, pop, to do, but bop, to the skit, scat, tap, to bop, to the skit, scat, tip, tapping out of a bee, bit, popping for him, holding down that cement corner like a stack of sunny papers till the sun beats him warm. Now, scat man's a blazing like a barn on fire, like a six by ten, cross your daddy, watch, by ten, cross your daddy, watch, six by ten, cross your Daddy was blazing in Montgomery on the day you was born. It's gonna tin tap to do the part to the tin tap to do the part to the tin tap to do the part to the scat man. All right, I'm just gonna do two more. And uh, this next one, I'm going to dedicate. What's the name of the band that was up here earlier? All right, that was very cool. Um, I got a little Jethro Tall going on in here, so you guys would appreciate that. Um, it's called Riders. How many people uh, ever ride their bikes like at midnight, running around when you're a kid? No, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> How many people ride their bike to the bar at midnight? Right. <laughs> so whatever it means for you, man. Riding box at midnight. Jimmy Billy Dave Greg Ron. Night riding joy. Jimmy Billy Dave Greg Ron. Handlebar clatter against rake tines, spokes and water cans jangling, pulling sleek metal frames from garage tangles, mounting the machine, skidding on the stained cement pavement, slipping secretly into the dark. Riding nowhere specifically at first, just riding. Racing under a full moon, searching for the next street lamp, riling up all the stray dogs. Look, here they come again. It's the lost boys on their bicycles. Good. And we chase you when we can, bike boys. Rough, rough. Oh, better look next time. And there they go. Jimmy, Billy, Dave, Greg, Wrong. Shoom. Spinning dirt down by the corner ice cream stand, slipping behind silent subdivisions, ghost gazelles, feral, running, pumping pedals at midnight, racing one gear, sissy bar, banana seat, those really cool high handlebars, you know, Jimmy Billy Dave Gergron, shoom, Jimmy Billy Dave Gergron, shoom, but in alleys, 
We pass, we pass clown mirages slapping their great red shoes against cobblestones. Juggling star-bellied sneeches singing lullabies and Susie and Splendor to Lost Boys. Spitting by him, clowns. Red-nosed circus pleasure, clowns. Feasting on ice cream sandwiches shoplifted from Dairy Mart while shrub-like nuns frame park benches chanting. Aqualung, my friend, don't just walk away uneasy. You poor old sod, you see, it's only me. <laughs> Keep away from those nuns, back boys. Then Jimmy gets a bright idea to build a ramp. Leaping lemons, Jimmy, Billy, Dave, Greg, Ron. Not jumping, pulling apart on rubber grips. No brakes, just the bottom of our Converse All-Stars. Bouncing off a 4x8 plywood on tires. Retrieved from industrial park dumpster. No traffic on dead-end stone arteries save the swoosh of tires on gravel. Mad Maxes and jerseys and jams, tires popping, laminate, jump gruts pulling hard, riding the air for an eternity of joy. Back tires touching down, 747s burning rubber, swerving off to one side, spinning out, laughing, making sure Jimmy, Billy, Dave, Greg, Ron saw. Did you see that, Bach boy? Did you see that? Sure they did. Stashing board and tires behind dumpster. Hey, 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 man, we got to get home. For by now, circus shadows are sobering up. Concocting plans, better leave this concrete jungle behind before no one hears our muffled cries. Clowns, wrapping us in great big polka dot cocoons, strapping us to telephone pole tips with tremendous creamsicle rubber gloves, demanding us to sing the great clown anthem, which none of us have ever heard. We snap at their thick clown fingers, laughing as they fall to the ground, chasing our speeding flotilla. Race, race into the night, back boys. Jimmy, Billy, Dave, Greg, Ron. Jimmy, Billy, Dave, Greg, Ron. Breaking formation, ducking into hangers, finally home. Because tonight, we star-jumped, moon-surfed, buried bikes beneath garage tangles as if nothing happened at all. That's the real trick. That's the secret of the bike boys. Now all that remains is a phantom sensation, handlebar grip pressed tightly between fingers and palm, drifting to sleep, tread dirt still spewing, graveling sneakers, sand matted to damp shorts in the hope that for now, while hero dreams flare our nostrils with the crisp snap of summer's mor morning dew-silver breeze, nothing gets better than this. Okay. Uh, one more. Can I do one, one more? Okay. Spit him. Spit him. And then maybe one more. This is Slam Palm the Musical. And I have waited for this moment. This one whining, self-defining, lovey-facing, trance-embracing, dance-shoe-lacing. All my life been waiting to give the world my single, solitary, beautiful, and redundant self-masturbatory self. But are you ready for Slam Palm the Musical? Are you ready to sing and dance and smile and sway and smile and dance and sing and sway and dance, dance, dance your gay little heart into the devious arms of a legion of fag hag posers waiting to convert you backstage because this is Slam Poem the Musical. And we'll, we'll wait up all night for tickets to your blank verse effervescence. Inspire a Slam Poem the Musical, reminding us all that our mediocre lives aren't half as pathetic as the nine weeks you took to rehearse and stage Slam Poem the Musical. Now, Slam Poem the Musical is as common as Coke. And everyone can recite every banal line of its three-hour score. In fact, we don't refer to Slam Poem the Musical as Slam Poem the Musical any longer, but rather, Spit'em, the main event. And even if you haven't heard a musical in quite some time, you will see Spit'em, the main event. Because music is important, like, like you are important. Like the first time you walked out of Spit'em, surprised that it wasn't entirely a bag of shit. But oh my god, I just have to say that my favorite dance numbers were Children Shouldn't Play With Sarcasm, 
as well as, don't take me like a ghost to put me in your nightmare. And I just love how Spinham is so much more than the kind of theater of the cruel that Artaud imagined when he inspired Bobby Joe McPherson III to create Spinham from Sartre's obscure novella, Nausea. And don't you think musicals are just like sex? <laughs> and I just love singing psalms from Spinham at Saturday, Monday, Thursday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night karaoke. And I got a Spinham tattoo. Want to see it? I got one right here. Oh. And I just love, I just love how Spinham is so much more than real life. I mean, it just, make, it just makes me feel loved and lost and reclaimed and recycled when they sing the I Want song and everyone gets on stage and tells everyone else who isn't listening because they're too busy singing and dancing and smiling and swaying about what they want. But I tell them anyway what I want. If ever I have wanted anything, I have wanted this everlasting expression of somethingness to never, ever, never end. And 10 years from now, when you paw through your neighbor's garage sale floor for a faded commemorative Spit'em on Tour t-shirt, while the local home school association revives the royalty-free, donation-only based production of Spit'em, while a junior high chorale instructor fearlessly rewrites his own ending to include a 50-piece marching band and a 10-minute mime solo. Well, Bobby Joe McPherson III rides in a sweaty rehab center, clawing his way towards sobriety, inch by angry inch. Maybe then you'll remember how it was in the beginning, before the spin-offs. Slam poem, just the choruses, and John Tesh plays Slam live at Leadville, Colorado, <laughs> and spit him on ice. Don't give in to the sham. We'll always love our jam for one brief shining moment that was known as Slam Pone the Musical. <laughs> All right, this is it. This is it. I'm only going to do this. If Todd Bannon says, Greg Bliss, I want your vagina. Okay. Todd is God. Just repeat that tonight before you go to bed. <laughs> oh, that does it. I'm getting a vagina. <laughs> As a straight white male, I can't say shit about the way I watched you sucking down that cherry cola with a moist spot growing between my velvety thighs. God, I can't say velvety thighs! Look, if I made a reference as to staring hard at your perfect ass, you would despise the ground I walk upon. But if I had a vagina, I could say, uh, moist slacks. And the gigolos at the bar would cream their shorts. But if I say, moist slacks, without the vagina, you people will kick my ass. That does it, I'm getting vagina. <laughs> and when I get my vagina, I'm going to have a one-hour orgasm at the ribbon-cutting ceremony. And I'm not going to hide my vagina between my legs like everybody else does. Hell no. No, 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 no. I'm going to have it riveted to my chest so I can watch it quivering beneath my wife-beater tank top. <laughs> <laughs>
And I'm not going to write any fucking vagina poetry either. No, I'm just going to press it up to the microphone and let it purr. All eligible suitors will have to crawl on their hands and knees through shredders and asbestos and broken beer bottles to approach my vagina. And they will plead like little girly boys. Oh, hello, Mr. Bliss's vagina, sir. Can we buy you a drink for your vagina, Mr. Bliss's uh, vagina, sir? And my vagina will roar back at them. Piss off, you dirty little fuckers! Well, I compare my vagina to every other vagina walking through that front bar door. But when I get my vagina, I'm not gonna let any of you people near it. Oh, no, 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 no. I will hiss and sway and tease and pout and shake my ass and bray like a goat and take my vagina back home and put it back in its nice shiny chrome box. And if by some chance of cruel fate, I become the National Poet Laureate. I will decree that all vaginas everywhere be sewn shut so that my vagina is the only vagina that can be heard. But when my vaginal tissue is tragically rejected by my testosterone-diseased body, dying a horribly painful, shuddering man-like death, large pupil children will bring baskets of flowers to lay at the base of my monument in the mall in Washington, D.C. And George W. Bush will rise every morning, scratch his ass in a second-story window of the White House, then bathe in the glory of a 300-foot-high monument bathed in magenta mood lighting, commemorating my luscious, heaving, moaning, snapping, Holy Mary, Mother of God, endorse, Goddess of the Immaculate Grafting, uh, Mr. Bliss's vagina, can we buy you another beer? Yes, damn it, yes! Vagina! Thank you. Bye-bye. I don't... I don't have shit to sell per se, but I do have a bag of stuff. Uh, some other poets and I go to Kinko's on a periodic basis. We fish stuff out of the trash at Kinko's, and then we make books out of it. If you want a Kinko's book for a buck, I got them in the back. But that's all. Thank you. This is a great audience, and I appreciate it. And have a wonderful holiday. All right, hey, let's hear some more applause for Greg, god damn it. It's all in the reflexes. All right. Good crowd tonight, guys. Thanks for coming out. A few things I want to tell you. First of all, let's have a round of applause for Dawn because... She got up. Now, come on. I mean, really feel it. God damn it. She did a poetry reading in Detroit last night and got all wasted and then came home and had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to work, and she's here hosting this show for you because she fucking cares about poetry. But now you got me because it's late and she's tired. Okay, we expanded the open mic list tonight. Normally there won't be like 15 slots on the open mic list, but everybody wanted to open mic tonight and nobody wanted to slam, so we expanded the list. So there won't be a slam tonight,
From now on, every single show will have a slam. So you got to be here in time to sign up, in time to get a seat, because there's a lot of people here tonight, but there's going to be even more people here once we're only doing this twice a month. Okay, enough said. We still have a few people, people that signed up for the slam, and some other people, I'm sure, that uh, still want to read a couple poems. So we're going to keep going with the open mic, but you guys do what you got to do. Bye-bye. Go home, sleep, get up, go to work, do that job thing if you have to. And if you can stick around, please do. And then uh, there'll, there'll be a few more for those who want to stick around until Jason kicks us out. Buy beer. Tip that guy. He's working hard. I really shouldn't do that. This mic on? Oh. Um, I hope y'all can bear with me because this is my first time. Um, I wrote a poem. It's called Darkness. The darkness that comes and goes, harshly but smoothly. Up against my dark brown skin, it pushes and shoves, never to let light in. Never to fade away, the bushes of its sharpness. Never to be dull, scrapes against my, the inside of my skull. Like a corkscrew, it drives, 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 twists and turns. Going deeper and deeper, like the color of my shade of my darkness of my skin. But sooner or not later, it'll run away, glide away, smoothly from so deep within. The first time father's vertebrae swallowed divided earth. The first chance was given to look away from greater than or less than light. Before one has made hands, before there is time to know one's own daughter, watch storms collect, throw rain strands across the bent knuckle of a porch, catch what can be lost at short notice. And before long come in, before the ink, life sweating out resistance is dry, before the fall of life versus death in earliness, before one's hands rest and have no Davenport stand directly. Without preparation, Hunter with firearms shoots through the middle of a second, straight, straight forth, straight away, at sunset, at the 11th hour, come, comes in, going out again, air shot retreats immediately. Four to six breaths left, wind spills. How midnight affords a lingering wire, a flawed connection between father and daughter. Give anything for paces of breath to intertwine. Shoot scuttled blood across terminal night. I need him. His heart turns through another wire, radished from form, flogged around like oxygen, one human beat into light. Retrieve the fire prince. Walking the leftover leaves through, I have come to understand no one is worth collecting mashed nerveless. I might as well father some thread through a marionette, move the dust from trailer cars, him walking the length of that dust and back. Thanks. Is it being prepared to do the right thing? Whatever the cost, 
Isn't that what makes a man? Mm, sure, that and a pair of testicles. <laughs> <laughs>